Hi, and welcome to episode 103 of Invest in You. And today we're going to be interviewing David Blatt all the way from the US. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Hi, David. Uh, What's up in New York right now? Uh, The weather's great. Uh, It is not uh, the apocalypse here, like a lot of the headlines uh, in terms of lockdown. (laughs) Um, we're still eating outdoors, but, yeah. uh, you know, every, we're, we're a very resilient, uh, population here. So, you know, it's, it's not what it's uh, been historically, but it's doing all right. Yeah. yeah. Have you read the, the headlines in, in Sweden? We don't have the lockdown. We're basically eating each other when we feel like it. So it's almost <laughs> like a, a zombie apocalypse, but we are prepared for it. Actually, Ivan. Absolutely. You know, in martial arts, so that's good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So today we have got uh, one more time David Blatt uh, uh, along from the, the US, and we will come back to his various business interests. But he is working with similar things like me: uh, real estate, uh, raising finance. I presume connecting deals. David, would you mind just summarize what, what are you doing in terms of those fields? Yeah. Uh, so uh, I've been in the real estate investing space for. 20 years and particularly focused uh, in the debt capital markets. Uh, so I ran a distressed real estate fund for 10 years uh, up until 2012. Um, and then when the market started to rebound, at least here in the U.S. from the recession, I dissolved that and I uh, formed a new platform called CapStack Partners, which I run today. Uh, and we have two uh, lines uh, to our business. We uh, are acting as advisors to real estate investors and uh, and to lenders as well, helping find uh, debt and capital solutions. So helping raise uh, money for deals, finding the right capital structure with lenders. We actually help them find uh, other lenders uh, when they want to do loans together, syndications and things like that. Uh, as well as when they want to just get out of certain loans. Um, and then uh, principally, we invest into uh, real estate deals uh, using um, primarily private uh, high net worth finance. Uh, on the investment side, we're dealing with individual investors uh, and then accessing the debt capital markets, which I've known for so many years. Uh, I tend to focus on uh, distressed opportunities or heavy turnaround plays always been the space that I play in. Um, so, uh, you know, that's, that's been where I'm active, not in a fund structure like I've been, mainly because there hasn't been enough deal flow to support that, though I am seeing a little more of a pickup uh, in that space, uh, you know, as of late, just because of everything that's been going on globally. So it's, it's interesting times, and I think uh, some really good opportunities presenting themselves now and in the future. Yeah. So there are business opportunities now in COVID. Uh, I think I think there are. I, I frankly have not been. Uh, it's been a busy time for me. Uh, we've just been seeing a lot of opportunities. Um, I think uh, you know the markets, particularly in real estate investing, uh, pre-COVID, were so competitive uh, that it was really hard for someone like me to find a good deal. Uh, you know, at a price that I felt made sense. Uh, and what's been happening now is the market's been moving in my direction. Uh, we're actually working on closing a couple of deals where I was considered the uh, low ball investor uh, <laughs> before COVID. And now they came knocking back on my door to make the deals happen. 
you know, at my price. So there's a little bit of a, you know, feeling good about that. <laughs> like um, you know, but we're definitely seeing uh, some more opportunities opening up in general. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a, it's an exciting time to be able to buy right and really just, you know, build uh, wealth uh, through the asset. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So um, what part of working with real estate do you enjoy the most? Ah, uh, um, I, I would say that for me, uh, I really like uh, thinking about uh, how to put the deal together. Um, so obviously, you got to bring money to the deal. Um, but just thinking about the ways to do that, right? So, you know, you borrow some of that money, you bring investors in for some of that money, you know, and that's, you know, what we refer to as the, the capital stack or the cap stack, which is why yeah. the name of my company is that. So I, I just really like uh, that. It's like a puzzle for me. Um, and I love the negotiations. You know, uh, when you look <laughs> at real estate, uh, you know, a lot of people like to live in their spreadsheets, you know, they're just like faces glued to the computer. They're sitting there putting numbers together. Uh, and it's so neat, you know, everything is in the little boxes, the formulas all work, you know, and it's just yeah. perfect. Um, but the, uh, part that you can never plug into those, uh, programs is the, uh, human, uh, interaction and the yeah. personalities that you have to deal with, um, you know, I like to joke that you can't, uh, you can't uh, come up with the financial formula for crazy, you know, and sometimes there's a little bit of crazy in, uh, in these deals. You know, you just, you, you can meet some wacky people. Um, people do things that don't necessarily make sense from a business standpoint, but, you know, that's the thing, you know. So I, I really like thinking about that, trying to understand where people are coming from, uh, figuring out what their interests are because it's not necessarily always about the money involved in the deal yeah. um, and really just trying to make the deals work for everybody involved. And I think uh, that's usually what I would consider a successful deal if you can do that. And more so, you can really just build um, a lot of future opportunities with people if you can figure out, you know, if you can have a good experience with someone on a deal, they yeah. want to do business with you. And you want to do business with them, you know, and that to me is how you end up making more money long term, yeah. you know, and doing it with people that you like. Yeah. David, you, you, you are my clone. I could have said exactly the same thing. <laughs> it's so similar. It's hilarious. I mean, the, the way to approach the aspect is just, yeah, so similar, both how we stack the deals and how we approach the whole, um, the vendor, the, the seller solution really to try to find uh, something that works. And, and very often we, we don't offer the highest price, but the, the best total solution. So I like it. I like it a lot. Yeah. 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 That's exactly it. Right. Because I think if you're only dealing in price, um, you know, you're really limiting those things of value that you can put on the table for people. Um, and it, it's, it's worth your while on both sides to really try to learn and understand each other to then identify, you know, what else may be there. You know, sometimes, listen, you're going to get a guy that just is like, yeah. give me my price. Okay. You know, but then, you know, some people want speed. Some people want certainty. Um, you know, some people want to maybe stay in the deal, but they don't want to run it anymore. You can get creative and structuring, you know, but you, you really need to spend the time learning about who you're, 
counterparty is on the other side of the table to do those kinds of things and really walk away with a deal that works. How, because we think so similar in terms of the approach and probably the way how, how we do this, who did inspire you to to pick up this way of, of business approach? Because it is, unfortunately, uh, or luckily, uh, quite rare. Why do you go uh, down the, the, the route of understanding and, and questions, I presume? Yeah, I mean, uh, I think it was a twofold, um, you know, so I have a, I actually have a, a master's degree in negotiation. So I've, I've certainly been trained in a lot of doing what I'm doing when I think about that, you know, enlarging the pie, you know, creating value and, and trying to, you know, walk away with everybody feeling like they win, you know, and a lot of that stuff has just been instilled in me by training. But yeah. I would say that I, I, as a, you know, from a personality standpoint, gravitated to that. Um, you know, I think that if you want to uh, just, Day in front of the computer screen, there are other businesses that are more conducive to m- building your wealth that way. But uh, real estate to me is one of those uh, asset classes that really allows you to uh, invite the human dynamic yeah. into the transactions, which you know makes it so much more fun. Uh, you know, some, some days it feels like, you know, you're building something together. Some days it feels like poker, um, you know, but it's, it's always, uh, (laughs) interesting and different, you know? And so, uh, I, it just really has a mix of everything. So I think that's also why I gravitated to the, uh, just to real estate investing in general. Great response. Yep. Um, dad thinks what, sorry, what's your company name again? Is it capital stack partners? It's a, uh, it's, so it's Cap Stack Partners. Oh, Cap Stack yeah. Partners. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's a super yeah. cool name. And uh, can you please explain for the people who aren't familiar with it, what is a Cap Stack? Uh, so when you're looking to fund uh, an investment, uh, you need to bring a total sum of money to the table. And the way that that money is funded is usually a mix of different sources. So uh, it'll be very simply a combination of debt uh, and equity, the debt being the mortgage that you're gonna get from a letter, uh, and the equity being the dollars that the investors are going to put into the deal. Uh, Generally, uh, you think about it like a stack, as in a pile of money, um, and also a stack of risk. Uh, and by that, I mean, you know, the lender is lending you money and they're earning an interest rate on that money, um, which is, you know, a few percentage points. Usually the investors are the ones that are going to make a lot more money. So the trade-off is that when you are paying money out of the deal, whether from collecting rent in, you know, while you're still owning it, or if you sell it, the first uh, party to get paid off is going to be the lender because they are in the safer position. They're, they're first in line to get their money back, right? Because that's what they're there for. They're just earning an interest rate though, in exchange for just getting their money back. And then the rest of the money goes to the investors. And hopefully if the investment has done well, the rest of the money includes what they put into the deal originally. And then the profit, 
that they've gotten out of the deal, right? But if, let's say, the deal doesn't do well, then the investors will get whatever's left over, which could be less than the money they originally put in or just the money they put in, but not as much profit. But the lender is always staying in the safer position, but they're not getting any of the profit if the deal does really well. So if you think about it like a stack, like who's on top and who's on the bottom, you know, uh, typically you think of the debt being at the top of the stack because it's usually safer at the top. You know, if you want to think about, let's say, you know, like a situation where it's like flooding, you know, who drowns first? The, you know, the investors are at the bottom. So, you know, that's, uh, that's usually what it, you know, there's probably better metaphors than yeah. I can think of here. But uh, anyway, but that's what, that's what a cap stack is. So yeah. cap is just a shorter version of capital, but that's usually what uh, it's referred to as when like you're it. thinking about raising the money for a deal. Yeah. So Ivan and Charlie, and especially the whole audience all over the world, I'd like to use an example where you boys are part of the deal. Just to put numbers, an example to this. So it's uh, almost like your multifamily house. So it was uh, originally like a, a six-bed house, but it's now being converted to. It is in the, the central part of the United Kingdom. Uh, it was six-bed. It's now 10 beds with 10 on switch, which means ultimately we've got 10 professionals living there. I've been shown it got like 13 and 15% in this deal as like equity owners. And high level, the property is worth 550,000 pounds, but it's roughly the same as, as US dollars. So the senior debt, like the, the loan to the bank is roughly 300,000 boys. And then on top of that, we have got investor funds, which we have raised as our own money, but it wasn't our own money, uh, roughly a hundred thousand uh, plus. And then we have had costs and so on. So right now we are in a position where we would like to replace the investor money to cheaper investor money, which means ultimately when we have done that, you will start to have more pocket money because right now you don't get any pocket money at all from this deal because the investors have got a higher interest rate. So they get basically all the profits. But if you fast forward 15 years, uh, do you think the property will be worth a bit, a bit more there, David? I, I certainly would say so and hope so. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> Ivan, when you're, when you're in your 30s, most likely the property will be worth, yeah, double or whatever. That means ultimately the loan will be just like a third or less. Yeah. I'll need so, the money more then than I need it now. Yeah, I think so too, staying at home. Yeah. All right. Thanks for, for explaining the cap stack and hope that anyone listened in could understand the numbers I just shared. Let's uh, jump into the next question there. Yeah. So uh, we love sharing actionable advice to our listeners. Do you have any ac actionable advice that you would like to share? Top tips in your field. Yeah. Uh, top tips in my field. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I guess, uh, you know, I think about uh, real estate uh, as, as an entrepreneur, uh, does. And I also think of it as a, a source of wealth building. Um, so I, I think that uh, there's two things to that I would, I would strongly recommend. Um, so first of all, I think it's hugely important to think about uh, your basis uh, in a deal, right? So uh, the buy price that you're willing to take on uh, any investment, and particularly when you're dealing in a competitive environment, it, it's, it's easy to get caught in the trap 
of uh, wanting a, a piece of property so badly that you're willing to stretch for it in the hopes that the market will make you right or look smart for the price that you paid. Um, but I think uh, the actionable tip is it's important to stay disciplined um, and really only do the deal at the price that makes sense to you. And sometimes you're just going to think the world is crazy because not only are you going to get outbid, but you're going to get way outbid and the deal is going to get done. And that person may even make money on that deal in a year or two. And, you know, that may feel like the one that got away, but it may not be the right one for you. So I think it's hugely important to really stay disciplined. And I will say that particularly going back to what we touched on, like how the impact of COVID, um, you know, is, is kind of shifting things right now to have the deals that I was bidding on at the price that made sense to me, where I lost out hugely to come back around. It yeah. definitely feels validating. You don't always get that, but you still need to stay disciplined and you just keep on bidding on things. Um, and then the second thing I would say is you really need to think about uh, real estate uh, as a source of wealth accumulation and that really requires uh, a long-term horizon relative to what I would describe as speculating, which you could do if you want to speculate, don't play in real estate, go and trade in the stock market. Uh, but this is not an asset class to do that because you just cannot get out of it as quickly as liquid instruments like stocks and bonds. And so if you are thinking for the long term, uh, it's actually going to be more advantageous to you, A, to build wealth on a personal level, and it actually makes you more competitive against institutions that may be competing with you because a lot of those institutions always have an exit period by when they absolutely need to get out of a deal, which is usually anywhere from three to five years. And if you're looking at your investments to really build wealth and to do it generationally, like what you just referred to, right? Yeah. Um, then, you know, I think both of those mindsets will really set you up for success, uh, financial independence, and really a, a really strong foundation for wealth. Yeah. I'd like to show who in the... Uh 2012, 13, I'm not sure we did a lot of, uh, for our sake, uh, family acquisitions. We were appraising well over 100 deals. So we saw more than 100 things and we bought less than every 10th. And the main reason for that was exactly what David said, that we were outbid. We put in a, a bid that we could do. Uh, so therefore, hindsight, because my brother was... Uh, so tight and hard on the criteria and that every deal we actually got was actually really good and we could refinance out in, in normally in less than a year of just forcing appreciation a little bit uh, and and the other 90 deals i'm quite pleased we don't have them there you go that. that's <laughs> yeah. it that's that's i mean it, it really requires a, a strong discipline because you don't necessarily get the satisfaction of knowing that you were right in the future you know, so you just always got to be looking forward, you know, on to the next deal and you pick off the ones that you like, um, you know, and just that's, that's, that's what it is. Yeah. Someone must, must have taught you all this stuff. Do you have any coaches or mentors right now? Uh, so I, do I have any coaches or mentors right now currently? I, you know, I, I don't 
you know, I didn't come with any sort of investment background. I mean, my, my father drove a taxi. Uh, I was the first one to go to college. Uh, I had, you know, no um, guidance in how to manage money and investments. Uh, I just knew that I wanted to be successful. And I was so interested in modeling people that were so smart about investments. You know, so obviously like Warren Buffett is an example that people refer to, you know, so I just started to read about how people were investing. uh, And I continue to read. I still learn so much from uh, just finance books, investment books. And if they're too boring to read, I listen to the audio books because sometimes (laughs) it's way easier to do that. Um, and I found actually, you know, I'm so grateful by the way that, you know, there, that we have pretty much everything on audio now, because there are some painfully boring books that have so much knowledge that can teach you a lot. And, you know, you get the page two when you're reading it and you're ready to go to bed. So to be able to listen to some of this stuff and really get the wisdom out of that is, um, hugely helpful. Um, but that's, that's really been, uh, the source of, uh, what I would say, my guidance uh, and education um, more than anything else. I, I really like uh, also uh, looking at people who are doing uh, deals at an institutional level and thinking about how they're structuring and then trying to borrow the model from them and calling it small scaling it. You know, so you look at groups like... Um, you know, like Blackstone Group. Uh, And, you know, I see the way that uh, a lot of uh, the deals that they do get structured. And they're obviously huge scale. They're multi-billion dollar deals. But I look at it and say, okay, if I move the zeros out of the way, you know, what can I do to really take a lot of what they're doing and just, you know, bring it down to this, like, you know, people scale version, uh, you know, and, and, I find that it still works uh, and not a lot of people are applying it, uh, you know, and that to me gives me a little bit of an edge sometimes in the way that I think about deals. That's pretty interesting. I think you knocked off a couple of questions that are both linked to, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll follow Idols. up with, do you have any other like industry leaders that you follow in particular that you'd like to, to name drop for people who are looking for whose books to read, for example, or, or podcast or anything at all that you recommend us yeah so uh sure so uh you know i um so howard marks is uh the ceo of oak tree uh he has written a book called the most important thing uh and it's a collection of uh uh what i would say is like you know blogs perhaps uh before blogs were blogs uh that he puts out and it's actually on the oak tree uh website he puts out a monthly um you know, letter uh, with his observations of the market and investments. And he uh, particularly comes from uh, a distressed and value investing uh, background. So I I really like the sensible way that he thinks about uh, investing. Um, I, uh, you know, he's, I mean, Warren Buffett puts out these letters, obviously, that he's famous for. Uh, They're lengthier. Uh, this one is kind of shorter form. Uh, so I really like, uh, uh, 
his uh, material. Uh, I follow Ray Dalio yeah. uh, on LinkedIn. Uh, you know, so I just like, uh, I, I, you know, there's so much content, you know, so for me, a lot of the shorter form <laughs> stuff is easier to digest. Yeah. Um, so I've just been uh, enjoying a lot of that, you know, which obviously supplements uh, the books that he's written, you know, which I thought were uh, tremendous uh, from that standpoint as well, uh, which I really like. Cool. Surely awesome. up to you. Yeah. So our podcast name is called Invest in You. So what does investing in yourself mean to you? Uh, investing in myself, uh, it means, uh, two things, you know, so first of all, um, I, I think about, uh, how I can grow, uh, as a professional, um, as an investor, uh, all the time. So like I said, I, I really try to read a lot. I like to read about either financial history or even, you know, current things, you know, where I can continue learning. I like reading about other industries, but it's hugely important uh, that my education never ceases uh, in what I'm doing. Uh, and I think uh, between that and just the deals that I'm doing, you always learn a little something from your experience when you're transacting and when you're taking down uh, another deal, or even if it doesn't happen, you know, there's always something you can learn from it, or you should be at least looking back and really, you know, assessing the situation and figuring out, okay, how can I do this better? You know, so that to me uh, is an important component of, you know, the invest in you concept. Um, and then I would say the second thing is, especially when you're dealing with investment management, you know, it's very easy to fall into the trap of doing a deal for the sake of doing a deal without realizing how much, uh, it's going to require of you as an investment manager on behalf of investors because, yeah. you know, on the one hand, you say, okay, I want to get a deal done, and I also want to deliver returns to my investors so that they can see a profit on this deal. But the other huge crucial piece of that equation is what are you going to walk away with from that deal after putting in all the time, right? And that's, that's the work part, yeah. right? Where you have to think about, is this going to be worth my time? And, you know, it's not a question of putting yourself first or not putting yourself first. It is a question of saying you only have so much time to commit. And so if you find out after you do a deal, yeah. that you've now committed yourself to something, you have to see it through and it may not deliver you a good enough return for the time and attention and everything else you put in. So it's really important to think about those things before you move forward because either you're stuck if you're doing right or you may end up compromising what you're doing and the deal may end up not performing. So, you know, it's, it's the true call it financial investing in yourself, right? Yeah. Because that's ultimately the point, right? You want to create, uh, you know, a certain level of financial independence, security and wealth. Yeah. I, li I like to add to that. So many people who are doing like joint ventures, which initially sounds really good that you're going to do all the work. Someone else will put in all the money, but you might be stuck to do all the work forever and ever, or for a very long duration of time, which might not be worth your time after a few years. I'll pause yeah. there, but <laughs> that's a big topic. Uh, 
I'm sure you've got another one. <laughs> yeah. So um, you might have been working in some cool locations. So what was your favorite office to work in? Oh, uh, so I, I actually, you know, I'm based in New York. Uh, I'm from New York. Um, but I actually uh, have been spending, well, before uh, COVID, uh, I have both a home and an office in Miami. Uh, and we're spending more of my time there. Um, so I just, I really love it there. Uh, I think, uh, I mean, it's obviously the weather is fantastic, especially in the winter. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it's, I, it's just that uh, I think at least within the U.S., there's just been uh, an overall migration uh, south. And um, a lot of it is certainly just a lifestyle decision, but uh, another part of it has to do with the ability to be able to do business uh, more easily and uh, to have that kind of a dynamic uh, available. Uh, it's just, uh, it's exciting because it, I think uh, you end up attracting more entrepreneurial people uh, and it's just, uh, you know, the, the sense of opportunity, uh, feels, uh, wider. Uh, and so that to me, uh, you know, when you have the combination of ocean, yeah. you know, great restaurants and the ability to, uh, get business done, I feel like it checks all the boxes. Yeah. That works for me as well. That's one reason to think <laughs> about where, where you work and, and live for sure. So you have had so many great things you've been sharing. So I, recommend people check out either the show notes or listen into this one again, because some of the fundamentals that David has been sharing are fundamental for any kind of real estate investments, regardless where you are in the world. So yeah, hugely beneficial. Where can people find out more about yourself or follow your work further if they want or connect you? Yeah, I'm, I'm active on my socials. Uh, LinkedIn is yeah. uh, usually the best place uh, to uh, find me, connect with me. Um, I try to stay active on all my socials. Uh, I like to post on things that I observe. Um, so I, I would say that's probably the best place. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, sounds like you will have an exciting roller coaster over the next few years uh, within your space for sure. Uh, Ivan and Sholi, any last thoughts or questions before we close for today? Well, it's been great having you on the podcast, David. Thank you. I agree. I had a great time. It's cool right. to have Thanks people so from the US. We we yeah. often have people from, from from the US. And they bring they bring great energy yeah. because people are yeah, they, more they really uh, do. yeah. And great accents as well. <laughs> <laughs> I feel the same about you. <laughs> yeah, guys. All right, Charlie. Uh, we'd like to do the the final outro, please. Yeah. So um, thank you for listening and thank you for being on the podcast, David. This has been episode 103 and uh, goodbye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks so much. Thank you. Bye.